Tips for Travellers provides inspiration, advice and tips about finding and having a luxurious travel experience. It covers destinations, transportation, accommodation, attractions and journeys. I'm Gary Bembridge and I launched the Tips for Travellers podcast in 2005 to share with travellers my learning on how to make the most of their time in every international destination I visit. For the last 20 years, I've been travelling almost every month of every year to exciting destinations all around the world. Thanks to my global marketing job, it takes me to destinations on every continent. The air miles I earn while doing that helps to take me to even more destinations for vacation. Tips for Travellers shares that learning. Visit www.tipsfortravellers.com for more information. Remembering that Travellers is spelt with two L's the UK way. Hi, I'm Gary Bembridge, and over the next three episodes of Tips for Travellers, I am very excited to be bringing you a three-part series about the people behind creating the luxurious experience of travelling on Cunard's flagship ocean liner, the Queen Mary II. I recently spent three weeks on the ship, first on a crossing of the Atlantic from Southampton to New York, and then down to the Caribbean and back to New York. While on board, Cunard gave me exclusive and unique access to interview some of the key people that work on board to ensure the passengers have a memorable crossing and an incredible cruise. Over the next three episodes, I will share those interviews and you will be able to hear firsthand about what goes into creating the passenger experience on a massive ship like the Queen Mary 2. You'll also hear the stories behind the people and the personalities, how they got to do those jobs, what their role entails, insider tips to get the most out of the ship and cruising, and interestingly, how they see Cunard evolving and what makes Cunard different in their view. In part one, I interviewed two of Cunard's entertainment directors, known as cruise directors on other lines. The entertainment director is responsible for supervising and scheduling all the entertainment and events on board, from music to production shows, talks, religious services, movies, anything to do with entertainment. I'll be talking to Ray Rouse, who joined Cunard over 40 years ago, when the QE2 was just four years old. And he was actually the entertainment director on the Caribbean leg of my trip. You'll also hear from Ed Moffat, who was the cruise director on The Crossing and has been with the Queen Mary 2 since 2004, the year it came into service. In part two, I will be interviewing Queen Mary 2's hotel manager, This is a massive job. He is responsible for everything on board other than steering the ship and maintaining the engines. He has a staff of 1,100 people covering everything from food, housekeeping, revenue earning activities like the shops, the casino, the spa. We were joined in that interview by the executive chef who is responsible for the over 20,000 meals served every day to both passengers and crew. And he will also tell us how they managed to serve around 1,100 meals an hour at dinner time to passengers while also meeting the varied diet needs of over 55 nationalities of crew members on board. So in part two, you will hear from Robert Howie, the hotel manager, who joined the QE2 22 years ago, and Nicholas Olroyd, the QM2 executive chef, who joined the QE2 15 years ago. 
In part three, we're going to find out about two more unusual roles on board, that of the social host and hostess, and what exactly a gentleman host is and does. In part three, I speak to Kevin Usher, who started as a dancer and singer for QNR 20 years ago and acted as the social host on board, and Derek Stratton, who has been a gentleman host for QNR for over 15 years. But let's kick off with part one and find out more about the role of the entertainment director. First, we will hear from Ray Rouse, probably one of the most experienced entertainment directors at sea anywhere today. He has over 40 years experience. And I started by asking him how he had actually ended up working on cruise ships and had got to be an entertainment director on Cunard Queen Mary 2. I was born in London and educated at a grammar school. Then I joined the police force. I was a policeman in the Metropolitan Police in London. I was in guarding royalty for many years uh, at Downing Street and uh, government figures, uh, Buckingham Palace, and I was also in the special patrol traffic squad. But my hobby was dancing, and I was in the Peggy Spencer, Frank and Peggy Spencer formation team for many, many years. I met my wife through dancing, uh, and we had a... In, individual career and won the British Championships and turned professional and I changed careers from the police force to dance. Then I was doing cabaret shows uh, around London, teaching dancing and I was also teaching in Europe in foreign countries. Then my agent offered me a contract uh, on a ship to do cabaret dancing uh, and this was in 1973. And my wife and I started that, and we joined the Cunard line in Southampton uh, with the QE2, which was then only just four years old. It was built in 60, uh, started its service in 1969. And I served on there as dance team, and uh, also on the Cunard Ambassador and Adventurer, which were two smaller ships uh, that cruised around the Caribbean. And after that, I decided that was a nice career and continued with that for a couple of years uh, with not only Cunard but with other companies and I was offered the position of cruise director in 1977 and I was with Holland America Line then, uh, the grand old Rotterdam uh, which also did transatlantic crossings and world voyages and worked for them for several years. Uh, I moved to Florida uh, in that time and eventually in 81 I joined the Royal Caribbean Cruise Line in Miami and I worked with them and was in charge of their new uh, buildings, their new ships. I was bringing out all of them as their senior cruise director for about 17 years. And then the Queen Mary II was uh, launched, Carnival purchased Cunard Line and I was uh, headhunted and invited to join the startup team for the Queen Mary 2 as cruise director, which I did in 2003, which is 10 years ago. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. And so, Ray, so in, in the role as entertainment director, what is your main role on board? Well, the entertainment director, which is uh, a pseudonym for cruise director, really, but uh, Cunard doesn't do cruises, they do voyages. Yeah. So they decided to change the title, but it is really the title of cruise director, entertainment director. And it is uh, supervising and scheduling 
most of the entertainment on board. That includes all the music, uh, live music around the ship, all the uh, daily uh, evening shows, uh, matinee performances, classical programs, production shows, um, the movie, cinema, enrichment lecture program, most of the religious services, um, daily activities, and uh, organizing the daily program, which goes to the guests every evening with the next day's events on. All the data that goes in there really comes from the entertainment director, apart from the food and beverage and uh, dining hours and items of our business partners. And uh, it's a it's also the television system uh, also comes under that and I have a staff, a total staff, which includes gentlemen hosts, a dance hosts, it includes uh, all the production cast, the musicians, technicians of about 125 people mm -hmm. and I have my senior managers who include the assistant entertainment director, the musical director, the production manager, the program coordinator and the social host or hostess and they all report to me, including the youth director who takes care of the children. Right, right, right. And so with things like the uh, enrichment lecturers or the, the various art, guest artists on board, do you have to go and find them yourself or do you have... No, they're all... Uh, I don't have any, uh, uh, say, in the selection or the hiring or right. the contracting right. of those. They're contracted from our head office right. in uh, our corporate office in Southampton, in Carnival House, and we have uh, a person who hires all the variety entertainers, we have a person who hires all the enrichment lecturers, we have a um, shoreside musical uh, manager who uh, hires all the musicians uh, and they send all the uh, entertainers to us, right. including the, the production company is hired on a long-term contract and they take care, the production company, of supplying us although they work for Cunard mm -hmm. and they're under my direction when they're on board, the 16 cast members, which is the 12 dancers and the four singers right. in the production show. And they're supplied by Belinda King Productions of Northampton. On a crossing, this is your role very different? On a transatlantic crossing, which is one of the great tra journeys at sea of all, crossing from the United States to Europe or vice versa, um, you have five or six days at sea, 3,200 miles, and you do not see land at all. There's no stopping, and many, most of the time, the weather is not, I'm not going to say it's inclement, it is mostly overcast, uh, it can be cooler temperatures. Uh, it's not rough, because um, we take the different routes. We can alter the route to go the southern route, or we can go the northern route. So it's not rough, but the great thing about the transatlantic crossing is what is offered on board the ship, inside the ship. No one ever gets bored uh, with what's uh, on a transatlantic crossing. Mm -hmm. So what's the biggest misconception that passengers have about the, the crossing? Probably the, the weather, I would say, is the biggest misconception. Mm -hmm. They always think it's being at sea for such a long period, nearly a week, they think it's going, at least it's going to be rough. It can be rough. You can run into uh, a frontal system uh, uh, anywhere. 
you can cross and you might get the remnants of a hurricane. But that can happen anywhere. That can happen in the Caribbean, it can happen in the Mediterranean, I've had very rough seas there. But that's the biggest misconception. And the second is probably that there's not enough to do, they would be bored. And that's a very big misconception because there is so much. At the end of a transatlantic crossing, I have passengers come up to me and say, my goodness, there was too much on, I couldn't get to everything that's going on. So what's the most frequent question you get asked on board? The ambience of of a transatlantic crossing. (laughs) Uh, Some people are a little bit flummoxed about the dress code because it is a very dressy occasion. (laughs) Cunard Line has a degree of formality, tradition, uh, and we, like our guests, particularly our Cunard World Club members, the repeat guests, that's why they come here. They come here for Cunard's tradition. And formality is a big part of that. And I think a lot of people probably uh, are misguided that when they come on board and they, they don't realize how formal it is going to be. Black tie, tuxedos for the gentlemen, mm-hmm. and uh, cocktail dresses, gowns, uh, beautiful dresses for the ladies. Mm-hmm. And that can be uh, four nights of the crossing. Mm-hmm. Once people are on board, what, what's the... the main advice you'd give people to get the most out of a, a crossing? If they've never been on the Green Mary Tour and a crossing, is in the first first eight to ten hours, familiarise themselves with the layout of the ship. Because the Queen Mary Tour is a big ship. It's one of the biggest ships in the world. It's an ocean liner. It's not a cruise ship. There's ships out there that are carrying double the passengers that are smaller than the Queen Mary Tour. We have loads of space. First thing the guests should do is to familiarise ourselves the way round. Then read the daily programme as soon as possible and find out what is going on because we don't make announcements on board to tell people what's going on. It's all in print. And they get that programme in their staterooms every evening. The next day's events are there, the dress code, the dining hours, the activities, the evening performances, shows, dancing, music. It's all there. And then all the lectures and the other daily activities that guests can involve themselves in, whatever it occurs. And we offer a huge option because you have 25 to 2600 passengers on border crossing, so you do have to have a diversified program. The lecture program is a very uh, strong part of a transatlantic crossing. There's always three lectures a day. Uh, two in the morning, one in the afternoon, and again, they have a very diversified subject matter. We'll have people from the Royal Astronomical Society talking about astronomy, the stars. We we have a planetarium where we can show live planets, films. We have uh, subjects like politics. We have medicine and uh, lifestyle, uh, sport. Uh, We'll have all types of different maritime history is normally always discussed in lectures on crossings because it's one of the great journeys at sea. Now, do you want to talk a little bit about Wake Up With Ray and if you really recorded it at 6 o'clock in the morning? I, I'm i up at 6 o'clock in the morning, but I don't record the show at 6 because I can't get the guests up at 6 o'clock every morning. I do pre-record it the evening before. Uh, I um, select my guests personally. Uh, it's... Um, 
sometimes it's a little shorter when we're on cruises uh, when we just go around the Caribbean I make the shows a little bit shorter on the port days because um, they're the people are in a hurry to get ashore they're on tours shore excursions on sea days I have more guests and the show is longer right. I, I make it 30 minutes right. and I find that's a good time span for a, a guest who's waking up in the morning normally a couple who's in a, in a stateroom sharing while one is getting ready uh, the other one's watching the program and vice versa and they get the news and updated information they require most people think you do it live yes <laughs> they do <laughs> which is good with your experience as you're saying 40 years experience how do you think Cunard's evolving. Cunard, I think, is evolving and starting its, what I would call it, <coughs> its second career. <coughs> it's 170 years old, and it had all the old grey liners, the great liners, the Queen, uh, the Braconia, the Mauritania, the Lusitania, Queen Mary, Queen Elizabeth, the QE2, which was mm-hmm. legendary, sailed for over 40 years, 12 million miles. Might never, this ship might just make that but there'll be no, never another ship like the QE2. Now, that era of Cunard is gone, and it's been replaced by the Queen Mary II, the Queen Victoria, and the Queen Elizabeth. And in 10 years, three brand new ships, the youngest ship, the youngest fleet probably, mm-hmm. the Queen Elizabeth and the Queen Victoria built more for cruising, meaning port, they're slightly smaller than the Queen Mary II. They're not built like the ocean liner, four crossings, mm-hmm. um, but they are built with the Cunard style and tradition. There is the formality on them. I think Cunard is attracting more younger guests now. The Victoria and the Elizabeth seem to attract more British guests. The Queen Mary II is an international ship. Mm-hmm. Cunard offers a tremendous itinerary program, cruises around the world. It's attracting a younger, more dynamic audience and uh, customer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, one last question. What do you think makes Cunard different from everybody else? I think it is the Britishness. Um, the Americans love the Britishness mm-hmm. of Cunard. Uh, they are very uh, Anglophile and they um, love what we offer. Uh, and so do many of the other international guests from all over the world. And I think it, it is the key thing is the Britishness, the traditions. The tea, the afternoon tea, high tea, the ballroom. Here and even on the other two ships, you have large ballrooms. Mm-hmm. Cruise ships today don't have large ballrooms. They don't have orchestras and band singers uh, where dancing, uh, social dancing, is uh, a big part of the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all ships have shows and glamorous sets and costumes, but those are uh, the that sets Cunard out to mm-hmm. be the distinct Britishness of it all. So that is the perspective of Ray Rouse on the role, his tips, and how he sees Cunard evolving. I also spoke to Ed Moffat, who was the entertainment director on the Transatlantic Crossing, and spoke to him about the same issues. This is his background and his perspective. Well, I've been with with Queen Mary 2 now since um, May 2004. Uh, I came on as a disc jockey. Uh, funnily enough, uh, I wasn't actually intending and looking for um, for any work on ships. I, I I I live in Andover. I was just moving into the Southampton area, and I was looking for for something more around the area, working in a club. Um, and I got in contact with an agent, and he asked me if I, if I fancied working on on a ship. And I said, 
Well, let me think about it. So I thought about it. 24 hours of content. I said, yeah, go for it. Yeah, we do. So um, I was actually meant to come on for the inaugural for Queen Mary 2, but that didn't happen because he needed some more, some more experience. So I actually waited until the May of uh, 2004 before I came on and did the filling um, for the DJ. And then I did a, about a year of DJ on, on, on board in, Queen, in G32 and um, start, moved over to the, the crew staff side of it, running the activities. And um, 2007, I left to go over to Queen Victoria as part of the setup team as, as crew staff, got promoted to assistant on the first world voyage um, in Hong Kong. Uh, and then I left Queen Victoria in 2010 to bring out the Queen Elizabeth as assistant mm -hmm. and then just over the last uh, just over the last 18 months I've been slit, slot back into the rotation um, as assistant um, under the close watch of uh, Paul O'Loughlin and Keith Maynard two of the entertainment directors that I've worked with How, what, what is the main thing that you end up doing on a crossing as kind of the entertainment director what's your main kind of Role. Uh, well, apart from uh, hosting the shows, most of the shows in there, um, and walking around the ship and getting to know the guests and making sure that I am seen, which is the which is the main part of my job. There's a lot of planning uh, going in for the next voyage, and also um, if any issues arrive within a department, me here to decide. And also liaising with the food and beverage department on on. Um, on their events, so there's, there's many other things in the in the background that I do, mm -hmm. as well as like out and about in the public area, mm -hmm. and the TV, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, presumably, you record that the day before. I assume. You don't uh, no, 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 no. Of course, it's done first thing in the morning. <laughs> I have to get up at five every morning to you know have a shower, shave, and, and get up there and film for the TV. But presumably, your days are incredibly long when you're like, crossing presumably you're up not really some, no. some days are longer than the others it right. really depends what what kind of day it is and what's happening um what's happening during the day so it really does depend some days are longer than the others mm -hmm. um so it, it all balances out in the right. end and so is a crossing the role is it different when you're on a crossing versus say a more port based or is it pretty much the same um, it's it, on a crossing. It's more routine because the template for the voyage is more or less set out. Right. So um, the crossing, depending on the crossing, whether we've done it before, it, it, it can be the same as well. But um, and we have a, a different um, type of guest that does a, 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 a crossing to to a, 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 a cruise or a voyage, as it were. Uh, so yeah, it can, that can actually vary. Mm -hmm. it, it, uh, in regards to the workload, it, it really does depend on whether it's a sea day or a port day. Mm -hmm. On a sea day, it's busy. On a port day, when you know, most of the guests are off, it's, it's pretty quiet, so you can chill out, relax, and maybe go ashore mm -hmm. if, you, if you got the time, or or just you know take a bit of time out. So you're talking about the the, the type of passengers different on a, on a crossing. So mm -hmm. how how are they different, and what kind of advice would you give to people who are thinking of going on a crossing? Have you never been on one? Um, well, people ex it, people come with the expectation that the, the groups are going to be at uh, a long time at sea. There's going to be very little to do. So mm -hmm. I prepare yourself to be either uh, have the choice of the choice is yours to either take it easy, relax, or be very busy because mm -hmm. we put so much into the activity into the program for guests to do the ship that was designed. To, to have the days at sea, you know, hence we have the two theatres, 
um, just by looking at the, the side of the public room so people don't feel claustrophobic as it were you know um, spending so much time at sea um, and then we have the lecture program of course we have the planetarium um, and we have the 3D movies now so everything around the ship is actually designed so don't come on expecting to be bored and have nothing to do spend your time at sea however you like you can right. sit back relax and and just watch the world go by <laughs> or you can involve yourself in all the daytime and, and evening activities and is that the biggest misconception that there's going to be nothing to do yeah yes yeah, so yes yeah, so i've got a friend on board and he, he was uh, at the moment and he was worried that he'd have nothing to do and he's had a, such a great time he just got involved in in everything you know mm -hmm. he's gone to the lectures he's he's tried the afternoon tea and um yeah, yeah. So it's a miscon it's a misconception that there's very little to do on the transatlantic. Yes. So what would if what so once people are on board, what's the one tip you would give them to kind of get the most out of a, a crossing? Uh, well, obviously we put the daily program into the stateroom. So study a daily program, see what's going on, plan your day. There are certain events that do cross over, but that's because we like to give guests choice, and mm -hmm. we have got so much for, for guests to do. We, it's, it is not easy for us to make sure that everybody can go to everything so the daily program arrives the day be, uh, the evening before so you've got enough time to study it have a look and just plan your day that way mm -hmm. so you plan it around your meals or whatever if you, if you um you don't have to go to your allocated restaurant and dine you can always try one of the alternative dinings as well and and that way if you book it a time that's convenient to you then you can go to maybe something that you couldn't do if you you were dining at the allocated time in the restaurant mm -hmm. it's a it, what's the most common question you get asked by passengers on a crossing? Oh yeah, one one thing I do get asked is because I worked on on QE, QV, QE two, and Queen Mary two. One question I get asked all the time: What is your favourite ship? Right. And I always try and take the diplomatic approach. I always take the diplomatic approach and say, Well, I, I don't really have a favourite. You know, each one has something different. But Queen Mary two was my first ship I worked on. So everybody has a more of a soft spot for, for the first ship that they, right. they, they work on. Right, right. And what's the most kind of unusual request that you can share <laughs> that you have? Um, personally, I've, I, haven't, I haven't had any um, unusual requests. Occasionally we get um, requests if somebody can do a proposal, a marriage proposal in the, right. queen, in the Queen's room or, or sometimes depending on what, you know, what type of what what show it is, or they can do a proposal on the stage in the, in the theatre. Right. Um, so I've had those, but uh, I've had personally I've had not um, any requests myself. I, I know we have a, a, a well-known family that, that travel on board. Uh, they come with a big family. They're quite quite wealthy, and they got a big stake in in um, Formula One, uh, and uh, they. They specifically have if, if, the, if the Formula One race on when they're on. They specifically have it pay for it to to be broadcast in the in the stadium. Obviously, they've got a big stake in it, and yes. they, they want to see what's Fantastic. going on. So. Yeah, brilliant. So, so in your um, so in your experience with Cunard, um, how do you think Cunard's evolving and changing? What do you think is good about how it's changing and, and evolving? I, I, it, it, in a way, it's kept the values of the, of the past. You know, with the elegance and the formality, but also in a in a positive way, it, it's changing into the more modern um, traveller. Uh, it's 
it's certainly become more affordable than it was all those years ago. So more people can 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 sample, can can try it, and if they like it, come back. Um, so it's it, it. I feel it's evolved for the better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, you can't really you can't say in the past. You know, people want different things to what they wanted. You know, 40, exactly. 50 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, so obviously, with and there's the modern aspect as well with the with the planetarium and the, and the. Three D cinema, mm -hmm. so we we always try and give the most update, um, you know, thing going around or something that's a little bit kind of unusual. We still, we still have the Omni Planetarium at sea, even after nine years. Yes, you know, yes. and there's quite a few ships that come out between Queen Mary to being launched and and now. Yes, and so if you were saying to people, sort of building on that point, like, what is it that that makes QNAR different from from the others? You know, clearly yeah. people have more choice now. And to, to a point, so what makes it different? It's, it's definitely the, the 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 formality of of the brand. Um, I know there's other brands out there that that do the same, but I feel like we we just do it a little a little bit different. We stick to you know the the, the policy that we have about dining in the restaurants and being out in public areas. Mm -hmm. I think that definitely makes us stand out um, more than more than any of the any other other brands around. Mm -hmm. So, is there anything else you'd like to say to people kind of interested in Cunard or interested in your role? Anything else you want to? Share uh, yeah, I would, I would just say you know what, come you know come on other ships, you, you try it out, and you, and you get the, you sense the, the family, um, the togetherness of both guests and crew. Um, we have guests that have travelled, you know, two or three. times four or five times on, a sh on either of the ships and they always come on and they, they recognise a crew member or even another guest that they sailed with before yes. because we've got a nice um, small uh, fleet you know a lot a lot of us move around from, from ship to ship to ship mm -hmm. so it, it's a nice you come on and try and it's a nice family family atmosphere yeah it was interesting because we went to Todd English last night and it was interesting because talking to the some of the crew there they were excited about getting to New York because they're talking about some regulars yeah. people they know are coming on board yeah. it was they were always excited yeah. Yeah. certain people getting on board yeah, yeah. It, it, that, and that's exactly what, what it's like you know yeah. people stay in contact I've, I've stayed in contact with some, some guests that I've met, met along the way as if we'd have just kind of met in a in a in a bar or in a in a pub and just got chatting. So it is yeah, it is really a nice family family atmosphere on board. I hope you enjoyed this first part of the three part series about the people behind creating the luxurious experience of travelling on Cunard's flagship ocean liner, the Queen Mary Two. Cunard gave me this exclusive and unique access to interview some of the key people that work on board to ensure passengers have a memorable crossing and a great cruise. In part two, I'll be interviewing Queen Mary 2's hotel manager responsible for everything on board other than steering the ship and maintaining the engines and the executive chef responsible for the over 20,000 meals served every day to both passengers and crew. Remember, for more, you can visit the site at tipsfortravellers.com where travellers is spelt with two L's the UK way, and there you can find links for the Facebook page, Twitter, and to sign up for email updates. You've been listening to Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. A new destination with first-hand based advice, recommendations, and tips is added each month. If you subscribe to the podcast, thanks for your support. If you don't, you may want to consider subscribing by searching Tips for Travellers or Gary Beveridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. 
You can then subscribe to the Tips for Travelers Global Travel Destination audio podcast or the video podcast with hotel rooms and attractions. To find out more, visit tipsfortravelers.com, where travelers spelled the UK way with two L's, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk.